Hey, welcome back. Or if you're just joining us, hey, welcome. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Overthinking Movies. I'm your overthinking host, Brandon Hain. I've got overthinking co-host Alex Ulacki with me. And we're here to once again talk about the next entry in the old classic... Okay, I, I need to immediately throw out those two words. Or at least the word classic. Of the Godzilla franchise. Uh, last time we covered Destroy All Monsters. One of the most beloved and notable, if not best, entries in the entire franchise. And today we got All Monsters Attack. Oh, cool. So it's like, is this going to be like a sequel to Destroy All Monsters with all the monsters in it? So, uh... To give general thoughts and let the air out of the balloon immediately. All Monsters Attack, I... This is one of the worst films in the entire franchise without even needing to think about it. This movie is laden with stock footage and barely has anything to really do with Godzilla. We'll, we'll get into summing up the story here in a second, but from what I gathered, Alex, you felt pretty much the same. Yeah, I mean, it's not the worst in the franchise. No, no. Astro Monster is it, still far It worse. is still far worse, but this is... A pretty big failure of a film. I mean, I can say that I was actually pretty entertained by the really stupid human story, partially because it's actually just a bad movie to a point where it's kind of good for me, but the monsters are not bad to the point that they're good, they're just bad, so that obviously sinks a Godzilla film pretty low. This is some of the worst monster battles. You mentioned that there's a lot of stock footage, which unfortunately a lot of the films around this point in the timeline do go through some recycled footage to buff them out a little bit more, but this one, a whole portion of the movie is actually just old battles, which are not as engaging here as they were in their original context. So, Attack All- or, uh, I was gonna say Attack All Monsters, but that was the international title. This is All Monsters Attack, excuse me. So, what is All Monsters Attack about, and why is it so bad? Okay. So, All Monsters Attack... It's hard to even put it in the same area as the other films in the Godzilla franchise, because it's hard to even say whether Godzilla really exists in this movie. And what I mean by that is, is that the film's entire story centers around a little boy who's getting picked on by bullies... And he looks up to the kaijus. He loves the idea of Godzilla. He loves the idea of these monsters that take on anything that get in their path. Yet, when faced with bullies, he's a bit of a wimp. So the movie, as you might already be able to predict by that setup, is essentially about a little boy that's trying to overcome and gain bravery dealing with bullies and fear in his life through basically stock footage of Godzilla fighting monsters, of which he sees through having psychedelic dreams where he goes through this strange aspect ratio where the, where the movie's <laughs> frame becomes this little small tiny circle uh, where he finds himself that, that in... aspect ratio really lingered the first time we did it too because like we knew like they were trying to transition to something as terribly executed as this was for a dream sequence because usually there are standards for that you know you just fade to white or do something with a lot of soft curbs and things like that to it but no just this psychedelic reframing of the screen where the the context is just a small portion of like the the picture is just like a portion of the middle and it went on for so long that we were starting to ask each other i hope it's not going to be like this for the rest of the movie right which then just transitions into stock footage of son of godzilla and a lot of abira the horror of the deep 
but with new footage cut away of the kid and son of Godzilla being like, wow, that's cool that Godzilla did that, and then cutting back to stock footage, and it's just sad. And here's the thing, right? This movie, from the opening scene, throws off warning flags, because the first thing that happens in the movie is opening credits over a song being sung by the main character, Kid, that is singing it in an incredibly high-pitched and grating tone, where he's really enunciating everything, and it immediately was irritating, annoying, and at first it stops, then the movie starts for a bit. Yeah, the, yeah, the movie starts. Then the movie starts, and then immediately, in the context of the movie, the kid begins singing, and then another song happens again. And the lyrics are just like, monsters are cool, monsters blow up things, and that's the song. But I was not ready for that, Brandon. I was eating some cereal at the time, and this took me so off guard that he just started this again. I kind of spit took it out. So where to even go over this movie? Because as we implied, the plot is really simple. It's just about this kid learning to overcome bullies, which it even doesn't follow up on. But we'll get to that. So the little kid's parents are hard workers, and there's some sort of convenient plot elements going in that, you know, they have to work at this time. The father, like, works as a conductor on the railroad, and his mother, I think, is, like, at a hospital or some sort of medical facility. And she has to be in late tonight because of a patient, and the father works deep into the night, so the kid's all by himself. And he has this friend who's, like, a neighbor, uh, who's, like, this... I guess he's, like, a tinkerer and, like, programmer that happens to live next door. Yeah, he seemed to be working largely with toys and computers, I think. Which, you know, obviously appeals to the kid. He likes this kind of stuff. To the point where he is this little, like, scribbled-on homemade cardboard computer, like, in his room, which is kind of cute. And the neighbor basically acts as a guardian that can watch over the kid while the parents are out. Right, he keeps an eye on him. So the movie at first is about the kid is picked on by the bullies. He finds a vacuum tube in the dirt and the bullies take the vacuum tube and he's like, not my vacuum tube. And then when he goes to the neighbor to be like, they took my vacuum tube. And he's like, well, what did you do about it? As if it's like he expected this kid just to fight for his life over this vacuum tube. But so the movie becomes about the kid falling asleep and dreaming stock footage of old Godzilla movies as a way of learning to overcome his bully because in his dreams Godzilla's son is there and Godzilla's son can talk and Godzilla's son is having his his problems and Godzilla's son also can change sizes now so that he can be the size of the kid and communicate with him and then go back to being about the scale he should be compared to other monsters. And yeah, Godzilla's son just speaks words now so he can communicate with the kid too and Godzilla's son is coincidentally, also having his own issues with a monster that also happens to have the same exact name as the bully of the kid. So the two of them are trying to figure out how to overcome their own fears. This movie is 69 minutes long, and it is the longest hour of my entire life. <laughs> now, when you did say old reuse stock footage, like you could sort of interpret that literally, because we were discussing for a little bit whether... This exists within the Godzilla world and he's just been following this stuff and is a fan or if you could even take this as he exists in the real world and he's 
dreaming about movies he's actually watched on TV. I mean, whether there is a canon answer to it, I feel like you could kind of take either interpretation. Yeah, because even near the end when the kid's talking to, like, reporters and police about the situation and he says that, oh, Manila helped me. And then they go, Manila the monster. They're like, oh, okay. And you can interpret that as if the monsters really exist in this world or it's a popular TV show. Who knows? <laughs> And I do admit, that's kind of a neat aspect to this film. That's something that sort of works, oddly enough. It's a neat idea, Alex, but the poster for this movie has all the monsters on it. It has Comungio, it has uh, Manila, it has the giant insects. Ebora, the, uh, yeah, right. And it has the, the new monster from this movie, and it has, you know, like you said, Ebora and Godzilla, and you're like, oh, cool, so this is gonna be another big monster mash Godzilla movie, and no. Oh boy, because all monsters are going to attack. I mean, it's even directed by Ashiro Honda, the director of Destroy All Monsters, and written by Suichi Sekizawa, who is the writer of King Kong vs. Godzilla and Mothra vs. Godzilla and a lot of some of the better films in the franchise. But for whatever reason, and I think, let's be real, it was probably budgetary, they made this movie, which is just this fable about a boy learning to overcome bullies and watching stock footage of Godzilla movies to help him out. And actually, as far as the title, it looks like, for the U.S. release, this was referred to as Godzilla's Revenge. Okay. When it came out in 1971. Which makes even less sense. Yeah, because Godzilla really doesn't take revenge on... I mean, unless, like, the kid is using Godzilla to take his own revenge, I, I I don't know. I mean, Manila tries to overcome the bully and at one point he is able to get a one-up over him but at the end of the day Godzilla ends up having to do the fight most of the time. I mean I guess like Godzilla gets revenge after watching Manila try to take his own revenge on this bully of a monster to a point where like the monster knocks into Godzilla and then Godzilla gets a little peeved but yeah a lot of things don't really add up when it comes to this. Yeah, and even the design of the new monster based off the bully in the movie is... I mean, the suit's not badly put together, but the actual design of the monster is really bad. (laughs) Yeah, I know you had even more of a problem with it than I did, but my biggest issue is that it doesn't have a tail like most of the monsters, and it really feels like it should have one. They even mentioned a tail in the dialogue. Yeah, he's running away with his tail between his legs. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. And is the only monster that doesn't have a tail. (laughs) (laughs) I just... So the first half of the movie is about the kid trying to deal with the bullies, which then ends up in a climax involving two incredibly comedic robbers who have stolen a large... It's almost like like 50 million yen or something like that. Oh, yeah, it's 50 million yen because they specifically reference what the size of a bag of 50 million yen would... How big a bag that would be. Yes. Okay, yeah, well... Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. So there's these two bank robbers who have stolen 50 million yen. And oh my goodness, these guys are less competent than the robbers in Home Alone. They really don't make good decisions, yeah. To the point where, so, you know, for example, the little kid at one point goes into like this abandoned building to look around. He like finds these headphones and he finds this stuff and he's, you know, he's doing what kids sometimes do where they wander off and look for stuff in this abandoned building. And the robbers happen to try to hide in that building too, to try to escape the police. At one point, the kid gives away that he's there. The robbers see him and they try to chase him down, but the kid escapes. And so they begin trying to stalk the kid because they think the kid's going to give them away. Also because... (laughs) 
the kid found the driver's license of one of the robbers because the robber just dropped his driver's license at one point. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. The robbers try to go after the kid to get the driver's license back. And instead of doing something logical, like, you know, they just walk in and go, hey, that's my driver's license. Could I have it back, please? And then they give it back. Instead... They do like the cliche movie robber thing and they break into the apartment and they hold the kid up with a knife and kidnap him. This is at the point where the kid's taking a big long nap to get more inspiration from Godzilla and he specifically asks his neighbor not to wake him up. So that way, you know, the robbers then have a better reason to attack him because their neighbor comes over later to check on the kid because he doesn't have like a key to the apartment at the time. Their apartment's locked and he goes, hey, kid, are you in there? And he gets no response. So he assumes the kid's still asleep. So he goes back to his place. It's just <sighs> so the robbers take the kid back to the abandoned building to hold him up while they try to figure out a negotiation so that they can get out of there alive. At one point, they try to steal the car of the neighbor who just happens to have his car sitting outside. It's weird. It's like this other neighbor's trying to sell the car. Yeah, it's a junker. Yeah, but at the same time, he's still it's still his car and he wants it. I don't know what was going on there. I think they just wanted to uh, emphasize that he has a car so it could be stolen later. I, I, don't, I don't know. So they steal the guy's car and run off with it so that they have a getaway van. One of the robbers runs off to steal the car and the other's like back at the abandoned building, like keeping the kid there. And like you mentioned earlier, Alex, they imply how big the bag they have of 50 million yen is because we have a scene where the neighbor goes to a bar to just hang out with some other guys. And yeah, you can explain it, Alex. Well, yeah, and they hear that there's been robberies in town and that they stole 50 million yen. And he says, I can't even imagine what that would look like. So then they describe to him, well, 50 million yen would be in a bag. And he holds out his hands and it would be about this size. And he says, oh, because later on he finds a bag and it's about that size. So he's able to recognize that that's the bag of the 50 million yen and not an unrelated bag of like 40 million yen. So he can make the connection that it's to the robbers. Of course, <laughs> it's such a weird expository setup for such a specific thing. Oh boy. Like he could have just opened the bag and been like, Oh, okay. This is the bag that was stolen. Because they knew at the time that the robbers were looking specifically to steal cars because they even alert the neighbor to this fact. Uh, he's the same one who ends up stumbling on his own stolen car, right? Yes, because that's how he discovers the bag, Alex, because the robbers put the money bag in the car. Yeah, because I guess he wasn't even going to look initially because when he sees the car, he says, Hmm, is there something familiar about this car? I feel like I've seen it before. Oh, this is my car! The robbers are now holed up in the building and the police are kind of around. And now right before this happened, when the kid was having his big long dream, they had sort of the climax of the monster plot in the movie, which is kind of the only new footage that isn't just recycled from previous films. Because there's actually a lot of monster fights in this movie. It's just like really quickly paced and trimmed down battles that we've already seen in like the previous three movies. They're not even pulling from longer ago. And... Of course, like the pacing's off. There's no context leading up to it to pull you into it. And then the music they have over top of it isn't really as fitting right now. So none of this, even if you haven't seen the movies that they're already from, is effective than it would have been if you were watching them in their original context. Right, exactly. So what we get for, what's our new footage? What's the new monster battle this movie has to contribute? Well, of course, Manila 
uh, finds a way to finally take on the big villain. Him and the kid, who's, you know, of course, the same size as him because this is a dream, are looking over this cliffside and they see that there's like this seesaw looking thing below. And they're like, oh, if we have the big uh, bully monster stand on the seesaw, we could jump on the other side and, and, and attack him. So, of course, the big bully monster eventually walks on that. And uh, that, that monster being Gabara, which is the also the shared name of the, the kid's actual child bully. Yes. And Manila, uh, Godzilla's son, job, jumps down onto the other side of the seesaw, and it's that classic scene that's honestly in a lot of kids' movies that we have over here in the U.S. True. Where it sends the big bully monster flying Whoa. up into the air. And it's pretty funny. Like, it's all, like, in slow motion as the guy falls down and smashes into the dirt, which didn't really have a whole lot of impact to it. But then, of course, he gets back up and Manila, one-on-one fighting, can't do anything against this bully. <sighs> so Dad, sighing has to come in and deal with it. And of course, dad is Godzilla. Godzilla shows up. And, you know, there's like a few decent little moments in this fight where Godzilla like picks up the bully and smashes him into the ground. But because of the limited design of Gabara and because of the low budget of this movie, the fight is very quick and not terribly satisfying, especially after watching so much stock footage. No, not at all. And they eventually defeat him, and Godzilla and his son are happy once again. But it also feels incongruent with the movie's message when Godzilla's ultimately the one that faces the bully. Yeah, their messaging really was out of whack in this, which we'll also get to with the ending of how the kid reacts to anything, as we alluded to a little bit earlier. So, back to the kid being kidnapped in the abandoned building by the robbers. So, the kid tries to think of ways to take on the robbers. And earlier in the movie, he was trying to get the robbers to fall into this one hole in the abandoned building by placing a newspaper over it so they wouldn't see it. But they didn't walk in that direction. But thankfully, I can say at least that this movie's script has a lot of setup and payoff in it. So we get a scene here where the less professional of the two robbers is bumbling around and eventually falls down that hole and hurts himself. The other robber runs down to see what's wrong with him. And that looks like it really hurt, too. I mean, he's holding his knee, and he doesn't really get back up after that, and he has a limp for the rest of the movie. And the the other robber's like, oh, it's not broken, just suck it up. And it's like, well, how do you know? Can you just, like, visually tell from the outside that it's not broken? But anyway, yes, he, he limps for the rest of the movie. At this point, the kid then runs down and hides. His, you know, the kid isn't satisfied by just trying to get away from these people that kidnapped him. He does, from what Manila and Godzilla have taught him, he does want to take them on so we get some cutaways to like some quick shots of Godzilla and then a quick shot of the robbers and then a shot of Gabara with his attacks because what we should say is that the only thing that really makes Gabara unique which isn't really that unique of a power when you consider all the other monsters is that he yeah. actually has like electricity powers he can like grab a hold of you and like electrocute you which I think they like illustrate by like him pressing his hand into the head and shooting electricity through Manila as if it was like a nogi looking thing which would be a classic bully move of I guess course. but instead of using Gabra for the actual bully in the movie we instead use Gabra for these robbers and we get like a shot where it shows a quick shot of Gabra you know holding up his his clawed 
hand, and then it cuts back to the robber holding up his pocket knife. But the kid is able to outwit them by throwing stuff at them and then taking a fire extinguisher and blowing it all over the robbers until, well, at least the, the leader of the robbers. The robber, yeah, right. Because the other one's still just basically nursing his wounded leg. I mean, this is very much like the tone of Home Alone with this finale, and especially like the second Home Alone where it's in like an old abandoned house setting but instead of like taking a lot of heat just imagine if like harry or marv fell once and then they just spent the rest of their movie actually reacting realistically to like one entry that they got and being out after that i mean exactly alex this is like realistic home alone they take a fall and they're like oh i'm out and then the kid sprays the other robber with a fire extinguisher which disorients him and then the kid takes off and gets away having defeated the robbers because at this point yeah the the police have surrounded the building the one robber comes out in his cot yeah because was following the kid who had been covered in the cold stuff from the fire extinguisher comes out and he's caught you know because he was chasing after the kid and then like well they're all just standing around and the sirens are blazing and like they're telling him freeze you, you know clearly they're out there then the other thug just wanders out what did he expect was gonna happen yes he gets caught too then yeah i mean even before the first robber uh, wanders out of the building chasing the kid they should have known the police were there because they weren't exactly being subtle about it no but yeah they're very very stupid so they both wander out and they're caught and you're like and the kids talking to the press they're like oh how brave and you know how did you do it like what happened and the kid said manila helped me and he runs out and they're like Manila, what he's talking about. And then the the neighbor who is the kid's friend is like, oh, that Manila, like the monster, like Godzilla. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then that's pretty much where that scene ends. And then, okay, so we get to this... <sighs> This ending. So the kid's walking with his sister, I think. Unless that's just some friend. No, no. This is like his schoolmate girlfriend. Not like girlfriend, but girl space friend. (laughs) So the kid's walking out and the bullies appear again. And the kid is like, I'm not going to take this crap anymore. And he runs up and he hits the bully and throws him on the ground. But the other bullies that surround him, they don't do anything. They just kind of watch this happen. And speak. Speaking of uh, Christmas-themed comedy movies that I guess this really was similar to that sequence in A Christmas Story where Ralphie goes crazy on the little bully there, except this, instead of just, like, being shot well, just, like, has him run, and then, like, it freeze frames, and then, like, they move a little bit, and then it freeze for I don't, like, I guess they just, like, didn't want the kids to fight too hard so they wouldn't get injured, the actual actors or something. Otherwise, this was just a, a very strange aesthetic to choose, unless it was trying to mirror the earlier pausing they would have to cut back to like the clips of the monsters except they're not really going to clip some monsters here that honestly might have been better if they just like cut back to the shots of godzilla and gabara fighting right and then just implied that's the fight with the kid that's happening right now but instead when the kid and the bully are fighting they just show freeze frames of them fighting and then the fight's over, and then the kid walks away, and you're like, okay. Yeah, because he took out, like, the main kid, the the leader of the pack, uh, also Gabara. And then the rest of the, them, obviously, are like, oh, well, he's the tough guy now. We we don't want to mess with Ichiro. Not to be confused with Ashiro Honda, the director of the movie. <laughs> so, yes, the kid walks away from the bully, and you're like, okay, right. So this is where the movie ends. The kid showed things up. He's brave now, and he's learned how to solve problems with violence like Godzilla. But then, no, 
Now, the movie can't end there. So earlier on in the movie, there was a scene where the bullies tried to, well, bully the main kid into pulling out the ladder of this guy that was, like, working on painting a billboard. But the kid didn't want to do it because, as it turns out, that's not a nice thing to do. So he didn't want to do it. And they called him a wimp for not wanting to do that. So at the end of the movie, after the kid finishes beating up his bully, he goes up to the guy painting the billboard and pulls out his ladder. Pulls the ladder. And then the paint falls all over this guy. All over his face. Gets all over his clothes. The guy, like, falls, you know, like, six, seven feet onto his back. And the bullies are like, oh, wow, that kid's cool now. And the kid smiles and he's like, yay. And then he runs off, and then we get a scene where he's talking to his father, who's still a conductor working on the railroad, and he's like, Hey, Dad, can you apologize for me? I, I, I just did something bad. And the guy's like, Wait, what? And his kid just runs, runs away. off before he gets the crap beat out of him by this guy. And instead, yeah, the father does it. He gets out of the train, goes over to the guy covered in paint, and is like, Oh, I'm so sorry my son did this. I can, I'll, I'll help pay for your laundry. And, yeah, that's... So what lesson did you learn from this, Brandon? Uh, uh, um, bullies are not people you fight that you need to, like, get help to deal with. They're people that you need to prove yourself to. Yeah. And show how cool you are so that the bullies will be your friends. That's right. If they would have just cut after he beat the bully, yeah, it's still a stupid message of him solving issues with violence. But the fact that they had to add that extra bit just kills it. Anything this movie might have had, in the end, it's just a bad film. But at the same time, it's memorable because of how simple yet awful it all is. Yeah, I mean, uh, at least I can say that, like, had me laughing a lot. I might have been laughing at it, but... You know, that still ultimately bodes well with it in the end. Unfortunately, I can say, just in sheer entertainment value, I was entertained more by the human elements of this story than I was by the previous film, Destroy All Monsters, which is their classic. Now, that by no means makes this film more entertaining than the other film, because that film has excellent Godzilla monster battles. And this being a Godzilla film, you know, sometimes titled Godzilla's Revenge or All Monsters Attack, having a somewhat entertaining human element to your story isn't really going to save this film. Not not in the slightest, no. It feels like trying to pull people in with that title because Destroy All Monsters literally just came out. Yeah, year before. Instead, we get this movie that tries to sell you on the title by having stock footage of all the previous movies as well as a new fight that isn't great. So it just comes off as extremely disappointing, especially when so much of the screen time is ultimately devoted to the real point of this movie, which is a children's comedy drama film about a kid outsmarting two bullies and then learning nothing. No, I mean, honestly, I would not recommend this film. I would either recommend almost any other Godzilla film or literally go watch Home Alone. Yeah, exactly. This was the 10th film in the Godzilla series, and I guess this is what they decided to do for their 10th entry. I just... This is one of the worst films in the entire franchise besides Invasion of Astro Monster, which, at the very least, this movie's bad, but it's not mind-numbing and irritating, at the very least. And uh, at, the, at the very least, the battling sequences in Astro Monster are still decent, even if 
the movie otherwise is completely irritating. Just the battles in here really are nothing to behold. Yeah, because they're all just stuff you could watch in extended form in other better movies. But next up, we've got something that, from what Alex has been building up to me, is a better film, which is Godzilla versus Hedera, the first of the 70s era of Godzilla films, uh, directed and written by a new director to the franchise. For those of you that know this film in English, you'll probably know it as Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. So I guess we'll figure out next time how Godzilla takes on pollution. Probably by not beating the bully, but becoming the bully. Thank you very much for listening as usual. If you have feedback or suggestions for movies or other movie topics for the podcast, you can send those all to overthinkingmoviespodcast at gmail.com. And for more episodes of Overthinking Movies, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. You can also find us on goldhitswkva.com, star967.com, and wchx1055.com by clicking on the podcast tab at the top. So while this movie was quite entertaining for how ridiculous it was, ultimately you would have a better quality of experience if you watched Home Alone on one screen and Destroy All Monsters on the other screen. But until next time, that's a wrap. <laughs>